Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on uh, the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mr. Dave Burles Berlin. Ooh, stumbled there right at the end. Yeah, it's okay. We're stumbling into, you know, the new week, just like the Jags are stumbling on ourselves. But but we're back. Minshew Mania's back. Let's have a good Wednesday, Doc. Nice, good positivity, positivity, Dave. Yeah, uh, how was? Did you have your delicious turkey salad, crescent rolls? Did it happen, dude? Mm. Oh, the best part, man. It's the best part. Nice of the Thanksgiving break. And you know, the best part was I didn't partake in the Black Friday shopping. Nice. So while everyone else was doing that, I just got to be in the comfort of my home by myself. Very nice. And I like it. Enjoy it. I like it. So was it this one of his top turkey salad performances, would yeah. you say? You know, it's it's funny because he's one you know when chefs say like they're so good they don't use recipes and stuff, they of just course. Like eyeball everything. Of course. That's exactly what he does. And you know, every year it has its little like variations. Yeah. Man, this year just ah delicious. Nice. Nice. Well, um I did not have my Italian feast, sadly. Because oh. uh, I I did not have control of the menu, um, but I did enjoy some nice seafood in the South Carolina Low Country. And oh, there you go on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and nice. uh, enjoyable time was had by all. Well, actually, I guess the uh, seafood was the day after, so that was Friday that we had that. I had I okay. had chicken for Thanksgiving, chicken. So, oh, interesting! Did yeah. you bake the, like a whole chicken? It's a roasted, roasted chicken. That's roasted right, chicken. Okay. Um, so, had some interesting things happen over the weekend, Dave. We also went to a Mexican restaurant Sweet. with my family. Very nice. Um, very, you're very cultured. I had the uh, chicken chimichanga, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> uh, Can't which, go wrong. Side note here, uh, Dave. My dad was ostracized by the rest of our table for taking mm-hmm. extreme amounts of salsa on each chip that he dipped in the salsa. Wait, like, he what? would go in there, mm. and yeah. it was like a, a shovel load of salsa coming out. In fact, mm-hmm. multiple mm-hmm. chips broke off in the salsa because of the sheer weight, Due to the weight. of the yeah. salsa. Hmm. When you hit up the chips and salsa, are you a heavy mm-hmm. dipper? I think I'm a pretty heavy dipper just because, like, it's free and you know it's endless. <laughs> so if if you're the type of person that, you know, if it's a good salsa, you know, salsa it up. If it's, like, not that good salsa and you just nibble on the chips, you know, that's okay, too. Um, but I'm, I'm a pretty heavy salsa guy, so. I'm, I'm more of a shallow coat. I okay. I just want a little flair. Just want a little bit of the juice. Yeah, yeah, just a little flair on my chip. I don't I don't need like a tomato onion party there at the end of my chip. Nope. Like I don't want five ounces of salsa on my chip because it feels like basically by the end that I'm eating gazpacho. That's right. And like that's too too much mm-hmm. to handle. I just want I just want a little flavor 
in the saltiness that is my chip. But anyways. Fair enough. That's aside from the point, Dave. That has nothing to do with what I actually wanted to talk about. I was just thinking about his his very yeah, it needed to be it needed to be discussed. He was attacked, and it was a, it was a vicious attack. I, I on think his... that's unfair. I'd have, I'd have been there for him. To okay, support him. Good, good. Just know that there are people out there that care for you, Dad. Word. The point, anyways, that I was trying to get at was there was a large table beside us at the restaurant. They had a big group. Mm-hmm. And this group was, I don't know, they were having some kind of celebration. I think there was a birthday. I think I heard uh, Happy Birthday saying at one point, and there was a uh, sombrero mm-hmm. involved. But Oh, yeah, sounds like a birthday. That's not too uh, important. The more important thing was, is I was eavesdropping on their uh, conversation, <laughs> as I normally do. You, you would be. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. And they started going on, and they were talking about somebody in the family. I'm not sure which mm-hmm. member of the family it was, but they got on the part about how he was a man that earned everything that he had. Mm. And they kept on okay. emphasizing it. They were like, it was all him. Nobody helped him. He was he was self-made. No handouts. Self-made. And like all of them were just back and forth. They just kept on doing this and they were amping each other up about this. And um you know what my response was? Hmm. Nope. No, I don't. That was my response. Nope. No, your response was no. No. Incorrect. That's right. That was my response. Now, obviously, it wasn't a response because I was eavesdropping, and it'd be weird as if I just went over there and just like, nah. And they were like, who the hell is this he weird not. guy? Um, but in my head, I was like, no. And the reason I was like, no, before everybody jumps on me out there, because I know everybody's like, hey, you don't know anything about this guy, Ben. You shut your face right now. Well, I, I agree, guys. I don't know anything about this guy. But, but I can say this. I bet I'm right. Wait, what? And here's why I bet I'm right. This guy lived on Earth, didn't he? Hmm. If he lived on Earth, that means he interacted with people. And if he interacted Mm -hmm. with people, he didn't do it on his own. Nope. He did not do it on his own. The term self-made is impossible, Dave, and that's what I thought about after I heard this. It's impossible by a human. You can't be self-made made nope. you're making yourself into a deity if you say you're self-made so true you can't do it it's impossible i guarantee that this self-made man they were talking about had a mom yes. he had a dad yes. i guarantee you he had an education yes. and those teachers Fair. taught him and even if he didn't Fair. go to school he had to get the information from somewhere yes. Somebody provided him that information. If he had a business, Mm -hmm. he had to have employees that did work for his Mm -hmm. business. He had to have customers that bought his good or service. He probably had to have a bank that approved business loans. And without all of these things, this man would have nothing. That's right. He would not have any of those things. He would not have a business. He would not have customers. He would not have employees. All of those things make him who he is. I'm not trying to take away from this man, Dave. I don't I know this say, man. You should have shut those guys down hard. <laughs> I don't I don't know this man. This man could have been the, the hardest working man in the world. So true. One of the hardest work and the, one of the most honest men in the world. And he could have done it all honest, hard working, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he isn't self 
made. Everything on this planet, we rely on other people. That's a fact. Like, take this show, for example, Dave. Yes, it's got my name on it. But without you, without Justin, without Jeff, I wouldn't have anybody to talk to. So true. Without guests. Claude. Without Claude. Without guest, I wouldn't have anybody to hype up. Without, yep. without guest, I wouldn't have music. Without people doing ridiculous things that wind them up in the news and sometimes in jail, wouldn't I wouldn't have ripped headlines. Without, without actual listeners, there would be no reason to do the show. What I'm saying is, listeners, if you've got uh, your vocabulary uh, chart beside you, which everybody, obviously, that's a thing, your vocabulary chart. Work. Take yep. Take self-made out of there. Yes. Take it out. We don't need it. That's right. That's not a thing. All right? Hardworking. What word would... Hardworking. Okay. Hardworking. Selfless. These are things. What, do you, what about, like, the come up? Like, so I'm guessing if they said self-made, he probably came from nothing and ended up, like, retiring or wherever and the guy see, is that's now. The thing, He's though. very well off. They're still he, 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 he coming from nothing is a is a is a myth too. There's something. It may suck all the stuff coming that he had. Yeah. It okay. may suck, okay. but there's still stuff. Somebody's got to lift yeah. you up because without without other people, you have nothing anyways. Why would you even have a business? I know it seems mm-hmm. I know it seems large, but come on. We like to think, Dave, of ourselves as these just amazing entities by ourselves, but we can't do it alone. Nope. We can't do it sure. alone, Dave. We can, I can't do this show alone. Are you ready to fire this show up together? Holding hands together. Amen. Amen. It up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. I feel. I feel like I. I, I was a little too serious on that. I apologize. Girl, yeah, I felt like I it needed like to be sad though. You're extra thankful for me now. You know, I. I'm extra thankful for everybody <laughs> around the show. Just you, yeah. Dave, Ju- Justin, M- me more. The get. <laughs> <laughs> the guest. I'm looking at all these albums here in the studio, and I'm like, all those guys took time. All those ladies and guys took time from their schedule to be on the show. Oh, How yeah. nice. How nice. Speaking of that, I've got I, we've got another one. Band of Skulls. They're on the show we this go. week. Such a great band. Been a band for 15 years. It's, Jeez. Yeah, and it's nuts to believe that one they've been around that long and two that they are already celebrating their their 10th anniversary of their first album Girl, come on that's crazy wow yeah yeah and 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 i actually over the weekend another thing i'm thankful for dave Word. i uh i got their new album signed edition mm-hmm. of their new album which ooh, is hanging ooh. on our our studio wall here very very, very nice cool. yes we're going to be talking to russell marsden who is their uh, lead guitar and also vocals. He shares vocal duties with M. So it's going to be a good time. But first, Dave, we start where we start. Birthday suit. Let's do it. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay. Um, born on December 4th, 1969 in New York City in the Marcy Projects, at a young age, his mom bought him a boombox mm. that sparked mm. his interest in music. He started rapping okay. and rhyming over the beats. 
in the early 90s, he hit a big break, starting to tour with Big Daddy Kane. Yeah, he was mm. he was Big Daddy Kane's hype man. But then okay. he started to release his own stuff. And in 1996, he released his first album, Reasonable Doubt. So true. His second album was In My Life, Volume 1, which was produced by Sean Puff Daddy Combs. Oh, yeah. He went on to release 11 more studio albums, being nominated for 21 Grammys. Dang. Yeah. Our birthday suit wearer married Beyonce in 2008. Jay-Z. Jay-Z is correct. Yes, indeed. Sean Carter. Sean Carter. Fun fact, I was about to talk about Sean Carter in the monologue today. Word. But I decided not oh. to. Yeah, I had a whole nother monologue. How, how did he make them? Oh, okay. I had a whole nother monologue besides self-made. He is self-made. I could have I could have done that together. I, I could was going to say, how did he relate to Mexican restaurants? People, <laughs> we could have we could have put it in there with yeah. self-made, but that it was it was completely yep. it was completely aside that I have a whole nother thing. I might drop it on another. That's a teaser for a future monologue. People are like, there you go. okay. Note to self, don't listen to this show anymore. <laughs> yeah, Jay-Z, turn to the big 5-0. Jeez, dang. 5 he's 50, man. 50. Bro, come on. Jay-Z, bananas, man. It, it's crazy. So he, so Sean Carter, he had the shoe deal like a long time ago with, what was it, Reebok? Yeah. Yeah. And then now he's like... You know, everything's changed 20 years later. He's got a whole, I wouldn't say different identity, but it's just the change in fashion and the change in style. Well, I mean, he's stuff. he's just made so many moves. He's always been, he's, right. he's a businessman. He just, I mean, yeah. just all kinds of, and 21 Grammys, though, that's ridiculous. Only yeah, only so other many. rap artist that has that is, uh, is Kanye. Him and Kanye both have 21 nominations, and they're the only ones that come close wow. to that as far as uh, as far as uh, rappers. So, happy birthday on the big yeah, five. Happy birthday, man! You're you're worth a billion dollars, Jay. Use a little bit of it to celebrate. Use a little yeah, bit of it could, to celebrate. You could spend a little. Splurge a little, man. Have a good time. All right, Dave, are you ready? Yes, sir. Rip from the headlines. Here we go. Rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Dave, this first story is from My Fox Channel 8. Okay. Dave, you're a young fella. So true. So I don't I don't like think, think you so. probably have one of these, but have you ever constructed a bucket list? Hmm. You know, like very I wouldn't say it's like a superficial bucket list, but it's like kind of life like crazy i have a couple of things on it a couple of things you know, like you're little, adding a couple yeah. of things to it okay okay yeah, yeah, yeah well florence teeters she has a bucket list yes! now florence tad older than you she's 104 jeez so you go girl last year florence told her son bill she's like hey bill i want to go out uh to your hunting blind with you and he was like, what? Bill's like 80. Yeah. <laughs> young, young, uh, active 80-year-old Bill, right? And she's like, hey, I'm going to go out. We're just guessing, by the way. I have no idea how old Bill is, but oh. he's got to be pretty old if she's 104. That's a fact. Anyways, right. 
She's like, I want to go out to the hunting blind with you. And he's like, all right, I guess that's fine. They went out there, and she was all jazzed. Mm -hmm. He went hunting, and she's like, oh, my God, that was so fun. We were out here in nature. You had a gun. That was awesome. Word. And so she was like, Bill, put it on my bucket list. I'm putting it on there. I need to go hunting. And he was like, what? She's like, yep. Next year, I'm going hunting with you. And he was next like, year. he's like, okay. So this year, which was the next year, she got a license, a hunting license. And on the first trip, they go out to the blind. They see a, a buck and uh, Bill pokes Florence on the shoulders like, hey, buck. And she's like, got it. Boom. She didn't even shoots see it. it. <laughs> no, oh, no, she saw it. She shot it and killed it. She was so jazzed. She was like, oh, my God, first buck. Boom. There we go. Uh, honey. That's scary, uh, her with a gun. <laughs> oh, man. So her her son said, the, uh, Florence, she's a wild lady, right? Not only on, on hunting. She goes zip lining. She goes to Mardi Gras every year. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And apparently. I mean, I love it, but crazy. Now she hunts. Apparently, that's the thing. Now, the one thing, like you said, a little scary, right? This was the disconcerting thing for me about this story. They talked about Florence getting her hunting license, and apparently, mm -hmm. according to the Department of Natural Resources in Minnesota, if you're mm -hmm. older than 45, you yeah. don't have to take hunter safety course. What? To get a uh, see, uh, license, <laughs> all you have uh, to do is show up. Is, is pay for it. Like, I mean, I'm no offense to Florence, but if you're telling me I'm going to go hunting with someone that was born during the Woodrow Wilson presidency, I'm going to need them to pass a test. I'm, yep, I agree. At least maybe a vision test. Just like, hey. Vision's fine. I Hey, you is know, is this a deer or is this a person? Hmm. Like just something like that. <laughs> just like, show like the black and white outlines. Yeah. What does this look like to you? <laughs> What's this? Just uh, but you go, Florence. Good for you. Uh, doing what you want on that bucket list. All right, Dave. This next story comes from CNN. Uh, so, okay. So we've had a lot of stories about bus drivers before. Tough job. Yeah. Got a got a bus full of kids going on jeez he's got a bunch of kids screaming all around the place doing whatever they want it can wear you down right so true Definitely. well michelle uh pasley she didn't do the best job at uh compensating for that stress work mm. so so michelle was on her way to start her morning bus route in aurora illinois uh yep. when she decided to stop off at a convenience store get a couple of things uh -oh. before going out to pick up the kids. So she went inside of the store and she gets uh, two nice, tall, cool, uh, tall boys and uh, oh, checks yeah, couple, out. couple claws. Yeah. And I, I know what you're thinking. You're like, mm, he couldn't mean tall boys as in beers. But since, of course, I'm reading it on rip from the headlines. Yes, I mean, be. <laughs> I mean beers. I mean beers. She purchased her beers and headed out on the bus. And of course, nice. the clerk at the convenience store was like, hmm, I think she just got into a school bus and it's 7 a.m. in the morning. I should probably call the police, which they did. Later on that day, of course, the police were investigating this and they watched the convenience store footage. Then they watched the bus 
surveillance footage. And sure enough, they see her buy the beers, walk onto the bus, and wait, she's still <laughs> drinking them while the kids are on the bus. Oh, oh my Just taking them down. So bad. And not only the only thing that she did. Her level of caring was so very, very low. Like, you look at this surveillance footage and she's like, eh, whatever. Her biggest cover of security was she put them in a brown bag. She kept them in the brown bag. That was it. Very slick. <laughs> Which, I mean, really, the only people you're fooling there are kids. And so yeah, they have no idea. At and that some point. of those kids probably know. They've probably got an alcoholic uncle that they're like, nah, I've seen that before. Jeez. That <laughs> does not that does not look good for this trip. But the bad thing is, is that she would have been done with work in like an hour. Yeah, well, and you, <laughs> you know, know? <laughs> and you, you know, yeah, can't you wait? Like, come on. <laughs> Second, like, how long has she been driving the bus? She knows there's surveillance footage. Like, right. come on. Come on, oh, not even trying. Well, I guess it's good for the kids that she didn't try, so at least she could, they could see to get caught instead of like covering it up. I mean, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Dave, this next story comes from The Sun uh, in the UK. And Dave, I think we all know how I feel about weddings. So true. Um, yeah, you don't like them. It's been well documented. And I was going to go through all the shows that I brought it up, but it would have taken me hours to find every reference. So, <laughs> so I, many. I didn't do it. <laughs> but this next story, story revolves around weddings, and I got to say, it lit a fire under me, Dave. Because this, this angered me a lot. Jeez. And you'll see why here. So I don't have too many details of this story because there weren't that many. But here's what happened. There mm -hmm. was a wedding in America. Took okay. place somewhere, right? So the focus on the wedding uh, and the focus of the story was that after the ceremony, during the reception, mm -hmm. an mm -hmm. attendee of the wedding took a picture of the groom's mother. Mm. And at okay. some point after the ceremony, the mom took off her dress and put on a sweatsuit. Sweet. And Interesting. man... Did social media lay into this lady in the comment section? Girl, come on! I'm, For wearing a sweatsuit? Yes! The overwhelming majority of folks complained and said how selfish she was. So selfish and inconsiderate. They said she was selfish. Word. Not that her son and new bride were selfish for making people go to their sh and having a dress code and making people buy, purchase stupid gifts for them that they don't want to buy. No, she was selfish for taking care of her son, keeping him safe and a roof over his head and providing for that son for 30 years of his life and then coming to a stupid wedding. But just because she wants to be comfortable for one hour, she's selfish. Girl, come on. She's selfish. Girl, come on. You want to hear some of these comments, Dave? You want to hear some of these? I would love to. Here, a couple. This is the first one. That's a nice way of showing disrespect, period. What a d bag. Mm. That's the comment. Hey, commenter. What you, a d bag. You know how she res showed respect? By being a good person and being at the wedding. That's a fact. And probably paying for it. Exactly. I know a lot of d bags that wear nice clothes. All right? There you True. go. True. Preach. Amen. <sighs> Next comment. What's so hard about staying in formal wear? 
awful of her to do this. So awful. No, commenter. You know what's awful of someone? To ask someone to spend their weekend at your crappy wedding in dress clothes on their wedding or or their weekend. Mm -hmm. That's awful. So true. Listeners, let me play a little more devil's advocate here. She came to this wedding. You told her to come. Mm And you don't know anything about the inner workings of this family. This is the same thing as me saying that that guy in the Mexican restaurant, uh, not hardworking. I can't say that because I know nothing about his situation. So true. You can't say anything about why she changed her clothes. Nope. You don't know. What if the bride's parents died when the bride was 13? And this mom has raised her from that day forward. And she traded her like her own daughter. And then her son fell in love with this girl. And they were like, oh my God, we're going to get married. She's like, that's beautiful. And on the day of the wedding, this mom had an allergic reaction to the fabric of the dress. And she was like, honey, I know you're going to hate me for this, but I've got to take off the dress. I'm having an allergic reaction and I can't breathe. And the bride was like, Kathy, you do whatever you want. You've always been there for me. As long as you're here, I don't care anything else. Wow. And yet these commenters were like, screw Kathy in her sweatsuit. She should stay in that dress and die from the allergic reaction. That's what they said, Dave. I can't take it. I can't take it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> you don't know about Kathy. It's ridiculous. We don't. We don't know all of what Kathy's been through. You don't so know. So if you want to rock that sweatsuit, go ahead. I'm just... Do your thing, mama. I'm just saying. Amen. Listeners and commenters, if you want people to be in nice clothing at your wedding and take pretty pictures, just pay some people. Pay some models to come and stand at your wedding. They can all look fantastic and all yeah, wear really nice clothes. Social media can be a cruel, cruel place, or it can be a really good thing. Yeah. Like, I, we, we talked about this on the show, but they you just have no idea from a picture or a couple of sentences in the article. Exactly. And I mean, like, I get it. It's not that hard to wear dress clothes, but it's also not hard. Even to, you do it once every once in a while. Exactly. Yes. But it's it's not also not that hard to accept a person in whatever condition they're in. That's also not yep. hard. And preferably, I'd rather have people at my wedding that have always loved me unconditionally and have been there for me through thick and thin. And I wouldn't wear about what they're wearing. All right? And, and honestly... Drop the mic. Honestly, it only makes pictures better when you have weirdos from your family that are wearing weird stuff in those pictures. Yeah, what a story that would be, you know? Because then you can always go back and be like, look at Uncle Charlie. <laughs> He's got his Hawaiian flops. He's got his Hawaiian shirt on and jorts. Oh my god. That dude, right? Jeez. Yep. Sorry, Dave. That that lit a fire under me. That's right. Those angry uh, that, people. That that hit that that nerve on you, man. It did. <laughs> it did, Dave. I was uh, I you 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 should have seen me writing frantically at my computer after I read that story. I was just like, she wore a sweatsuit, people. She didn't punch anybody. Nope. She didn't ruin the wedding. Nope. Come on. It's ridiculous, Dave. They're so angry. So angry. Anyways, let's go on to the next story before I get too fired up. Alrighty. This next story is from Metro West Daily News. And this incident uh, apparently lit a fire under Edward Hayden. That's a fact. The main focus Mm -hmm. of this story. So Ed, he's a 91-year-old that lives in Snug Harbor, Rhode Island. 
which just sounds like a cozy mm. place. That's right. I mean, it does. Snug harbor. Nice place to spend the winter. Very nice. I mean, you just sit there with your giant quilt on, sipping your cocoa, being like, whoo, it's cold outside. Luckily, I got this nice snuggle. Snug harbor quilt. This is nice. Yes! Anyways, Ed purchased a Ryobi portable generator for a couple hundred bucks from uh, Home Depot. And okay. uh, Ed has a trailer he likes to take out to NASCAR races. And he figured generator would be good for this. He could power things, you know, when he goes out sure. to his NASCAR races. So mm-hmm. he didn't use the generator for like two months because, you know, he didn't have any races to go to. And uh, he took the generator out, tried to start it just a couple weeks ago. The engine wouldn't start. Girl, come on! So he took mm-hmm. the generator back to Home Depot, and he was like, hey, um, you guys got to fix this. And they were like, all right, we'll repair it, come back in a couple days. So he came back to the store, and the employee was like, oh, we sent it off to the manufacturer. We don't make repairs in-house, and it's uh, going to cost uh, $203. And he was like, whoa, I don't have to pay three, uh, $200. I, I didn't do anything. It wouldn't start when I first got it. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. You should be paying for it. And um, the guy was like, mm, nah, right? And they got the uh, manager involved, and the manager's like, mm, nah. And uh, Ed was frustrated. Yeah, and Ed was frustrated, so he left. And Ed's a 91-year-old retired fella, as I mentioned. And you can imagine, um, as a 91-year-old retired fella, he's got some time to ponder, Right. So, Uh-oh. in that fact, he just <laughs> pondered this genera- uh, generator issue, and it actually led him to not be able to sleep. It gave him insomnia. Jeez. He was thinking about this. And he went to the store a day later at 7 a.m., and he, 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 he formulated this new idea, like, you know what? I'll go in early. They'll have a new manager there. They'll have some understanding. They'll give me a refund. Well, he came back mm-hmm. in, and he was like, hey. And he told him the situation. And the manager was like, oh, you know what? No. Girl, come on. And he was like, what? Mm. And he was like, hey, he tried to explain a little bit more, and they're like, mm, yeah. And so then Ed really escalated it, right? Ed was like, uh, all right, I'm going to park my pickup right outside the front door and tell everybody what you did to me, and I've got all the paperwork to prove it. And at first when I heard this, I was like, yeah, you know. A little protest. I can see that. Interesting protest. Nothing wrong with that. Um, No no harm yet. But then when Ed said right outside of the front door, he meant right outside of the front door. He was so close to the doors, you couldn't fit a shopping cart through it. So he was blocking the door completely. And of course... That meant the Home Depot called the police, and uh, two officers told him that he had to move, and he was like, I can't sleep, I can't get the generator, I can't get my money, and I'm not getting out. Hmm. And uh, eventually the cops, of course, because they're the cops, uh, got him out, and they handcuffed him, and they charged him with resisting arrest and disorderly conduct. That's a fact. Now let me say, first and foremost, again, I get Ed's complaint. Nobody wants to get screwed with like that. Makes sense. We've all been there. Didn't We've even been there. didn't even get to use the generator before it broke down. That's ridiculous. That's the worst part. That is ridiculous. However, Ed, you do have to understand your protest. You're definitely going to get arrested for that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how savvy Ed is with computers, 
but he should probably not very he should definitely he should definitely get someone to help him post his story on Facebook and a couple other social media sites people would have shared that thing like 20,000 times and before they knew yeah. it they the Home Depot would have been calling him and been like hey oh my god we're not taking care we're not taking advantage of a 91 year old man no way nope. we gave him a free generator and gift cards and a whole bunch of other free crap there you go right it would have been solved Shut him up. lickety yep. split like that. However, yeah. if you make it a hostage situation and you barricade a store, eh, you don't. Home Depot isn't going to be as nice. You don't really <laughs> win public sentiment for that. People see you yeah. more as a scary, frightening, crazy old man, instead and not, of the victim, and not as a poor old victim man. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We want to make you, Ed, a poor old man that was taken advantage of by the big, scary corporation. So true. Not the crazy old man stopping people from going into Home Depot. That's what we need to work on. Just just a side note. Write it down, because I know, of course, Ed's w listening to the show. Just take a note, Ed. Take a take note. Take notes, Ed. Um, okay. Quick note of actual news, Dave. Actual news. And it's going to be... These are actual news I, articles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to warn you. It's going to be serious for a little bit. Just for a second. Okay. Just for a second. Uh, so I'm sure you heard. Maybe you are Dave. You get your news from here. That's fine. Um, did you hear about the horrific stabbings in London over the weekend? Hmm. I'm hearing about it just now. Okay, there we go. I, I figured. <laughs> it's so, so bad. So <laughs> started. So so uh, a lone attacker right killed two people, injured three more. Horrible, right? Oh, he sta literally stabbed people. Horrible, stabbed him to death. It probably would have been more if citizens hadn't risen up and attacked and neutralized this attacker. So citizens Good. of London actually stopped him. Now, this is what caught me by surprise. And, of course, this is where I take it to a non-serious level because it's weird, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you know what a narwhal is, Dave? Yeah, it's a um, horned um, whale. Exactly, right? One of the attackers... It's sad that I know that, but I don't know... <laughs> hey, <laughs> you may not know the, the, the current news topics, but you got some science background. It's fine. I, I, know, I know fictional creatures. <laughs> they're not fictional. We got narwhals. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're real, dude. They're not just a unicorn. They're out there. Um, oh, so this is what caught me by surprise. One of the guys that defended everybody from this attacker mm -hmm. defended everybody with a narwhal tusk. Wait, what? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Word. Yeah. That's Word. They. How did he get that? So, so, so apparently, right? Uh, by the way, if uh, when you get a chance, Dave, look up narwhals. They basically look like a reverse popsicle because they're just this giant horn and then this big fat body. Like if a manatee had a horn and no little flappers, that's what they'd be. Like they're just oh so, yeah they are real they're just so goofy look at that they're so goofy so anyways That's something this dude was hanging outside in London near the Fishmonger Hall in London which is a real place mm -hmm. the Fishmonger Hall that's a fact and mm -hmm. he sees this attacker going on this crazy stabbing frenzy right and his first idea is you know what 
I better head into the fishmonger hall and see what kind of defense weapons they have. Word. And he comes across the five foot long narwhal tusk on the wall and is like, yeah, you know what? With five the- foot tusk. That's yeah. Freaking spear. He's like, you know what? With the power of the sea unicorn, I will save the people of London. And he rips off the narwhal tusk of the wall and goes back outside and neutralizes this attacker until the until the. He's like Aquaman. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Which I mean, like, could you have had a weirder object than a narwhal tusk? That's really, I mean, like, so resourceful. First of all. I wouldn't even known that the fishmonger hall was a thing that existed, right. and I could have gone in there and looked for items. Second of all, like you said, like he—I feel like this guy should become a superhero. So true. Like he literally—he's like the the French Aquaman. I like. Or like I like Aquaman, but I feel like I would go with fishmonger. He'd just be fishmonger. The, he'd just be the fishmonger. Yeah. The fishmonger like strikes it. again. Right? That'd be good. Saving lives. That'd be good. Oh, yeah. By the way, just a side note, I did in- entertain the idea of doing Why Would You Review That segment on Fishmonger oh, Hall. Fishmonger Hall. Yeah. Yep. But there <laughs> there weren't any one-star reviews. The lowest they uh, had was it's four too stars. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Their average was I don't four. think we've ever seen that before. Yeah. You go, Fishmongers. You go. You go. Rocking it. All right. We are going to take a break. We are going to hear... From our guest of honor, Band of Skulls. We will be right back on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Guys, I know you listen to other podcasts. We're not going to pretend that you don't. But here's what you're going to do. Wherever you downloaded those other podcasts, you're going to go and look up the Doc G Show. Boom. And download it. Yep. And listen to it. Amen. And rate us. Ooh. Give us five stars. Mm. Like it. Good then job. Then go check out the website. Yes. www.thedocgshow.com. Coming very soon on that very website, Dave, will be the full video of the live acoustic session of Trey Binkley and Drake Freeman playing Ooh. in the studio and interview. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I am, there we go. I'm very excited. It will only be available for the first couple of months just on our website. You'll have to go check it out. It's going to be... Yeah, that's that's some clickbait right there. That's exactly. Right. It's going to be pretty, pretty fantastic. Can't wait. Uh, but first, Dave, we gotta we got to thank the people that are listening currently. We got to thank those we folks. Do. So let's get to some shout outs. So in the regular section, the regulars, here we go. Let's count them down. Jacksonville, Florida. Boom. Shout out. Columbia, South Carolina. Boom. Shout out. There you go. Radford, Virginia. There we go. Shout out. Yes, sir. Citrus Heights, California. Shout out. Okay. Kenner, Louisiana, of course. Shout out. Yeah. Genoa, Italy. Shout out. Mm. Atlanta, ATL, Georgia. Shout out. There we go. ATL. Ashburn, Virginia. Shout out. Yes, sir. Charleston, South Carolina. Shout out. Right. Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout out. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Mozambique. Yes. There we go. Our peeps. All regulars. Thank you, guys. Very nice. All regulars. All regulars, Dave. All right. Semi-regulars. We got one new semi-regular today. Ma- Mountain View, uh, California. That's always been a, that's a semi-regular. That, they're not new. I'll let you know the new okay. one. San Francisco, California. Close. Close Dude, to Mountain California View. California loves us, man. Yeah. Here we go. Los Angeles, California. Look at that. All up and down the coast, man. Here we go. Here's the new one. Frisco, Texas. That's right. Frisco. Welcome, guys. We we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. They've been regularly listening. Um, 
Rev Ramos has it. Uh, Rev Amos has it in his song. There you go. They've they've they we've converted them into semi regular. Let's hope they get to regular. Let's hope they get yes, there. Sir. Brooklyn, New York, last semi regular. Shout out Brooklyn. Shout okay, here we go. Here we go, Dave. Newcomers, newcomers. Welcome, peeps. Tel Aviv, Israel. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Bayamon, Puerto Rico. Shout out. Yeah. National doc. That's right. Valencia, Spain. Shout out. Dang. Yes. And last one, we're going to go back to the States for this one. Arcata. Arcata, California. Shout out. Another California, man. Yeah. Arcata is way up there. They're like, they're oh. right at the tip top, the tip top. On, on the coast. Looks like a nice place. Oh, yeah. Maybe a little chilly, but looks like a real nice place. Real nice. Thank you. All I'm saying is California may be for Doc G lovers now. They're getting there. They're getting there. But regardless, everybody, thanks for the listens. Keep it up. Yes, sir. Try to make it thanks, to that guys. regular level, guys. Try to make it to that regular level. Tell your friends. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, here we go. Dave, we're going on. Next birthday suit. Okay. Confident on this one. No, you got it. Born on December 4th, 1951 in Oklahoma City. Our birthday parents, our birthday suit parents owned a barbecue restaurant known as the Hickory House Restaurant. Yeah. Our birthday suit wearer loved playing and watching sports. He ended up going to Vanderbilt where he majored in English and history. He was also a sports editor for the university student paper. After he graduated, he decided to go that route. He decided to go sports writing. And his first uh, job was at the Miami Herald. Then a second job, Los Angeles Times. Then Dallas Morning News. And then finally, Chicago Tribune in 1998. In 2004, ESPN hired our birthday suit wearer full-time, where he was on a segment called First and Ten and wrote columns for ESPN.com. In 2007, he started hosting First Take, with Stephen A. Smith. In- Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is correct. Yes, indeed. Skippy, turning turning the big 6'8". Six, 6'8". Eight. Six, eight. He's looking good these days, though. He's fit. He's fit for 6'8". Yeah. He just posted something. I think he was in, like, a Cowboys jersey, and he was, like, pretty, pretty shredded in it. And you know what I love about Skip? He loves Michael Jordan. That's a fact. He gives he Michael does. Jordan his he greatness, does. his due for greatness, and I love it. I love it. I, I'll be honest though. I, I don't. I don't listen to uh, um, Shannon. His his show with Shannon Sharp. What is it called? I yeah. forget. I forget. I don't for, know. It's on uh, Fox now, right? Yeah, Fox Sports One. But I, I gotta. I gotta be honest. I, I I need. I need the the Skip Steven dynamic you know that's right but a lot of people say they still like it they like it i i have to say uh undisputed undisputed there we go that's it i i gotta give steve uh skip is the is the the master of giving nonchalant uh uh-huhs why the other person is giving their side of the story because in everything when he's working with both Shannon and with Stephen A. Smith it was always mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I feel like that's where I, I've taken after that while you talk. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like Stephen A. Or I feel like Skips is like to do it to like jeer the person to get them like angry because he's just doing yeah, it like him up a he's just like he's like that's a bad point. Yeah, he I just got a like point to counteract. I, d- that. I don't care. Mm, eh, mm, whatever. Anyways, sixty-eight. Living it up. Skip, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Skip. Okay, I've got one story from Ripped from the Headlines that we didn't get to that I gotta that okay. I gotta throw out there. Now you gotta uh, get it off your chest. This one well, this one it's important for the listeners. So the listeners know for the last couple of weeks been talking with uh with both uh Justin and uh Jeff about this. There's been some generational wars, Dave. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. back and forth. And Generation Z They've been throwing a lot of stones. So you true. Know? They've been they've been yeah. thro- throwing a lot of stones like they don't live in a glass house. And I gotta say, Ooh. I found a bit of a glass house. I found a bit of a glass house. Uh, you know, they came up with their OK Boomer tagline, which apparently now is dead. They got bored with that already, and they're like, done. We're done with that. Stupid. We don't mm-hmm. use that anymore. They got their Karen generation, which is for uh, the Generation X. They're all Karens. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Like I've been saying through all this, Generation Z, you need to recognize the whole generation can't all be great. Nope. You're going to have some people that do some dumb stuff in your generation. <laughs> and I got to be honest, Yasmeen and her friend who are in Generation Z, they did something that was a its a little blemish on their CV here yes! of the Generation Uh-oh. Z. So Yasmeen and her friend... They were at uh, the friend's house. They did not, in this news article, uh, put out the name of the friend because this this thing that she did was so embarrassing. So that'll give you some insight to this. So her and her friend, Yasmin and her friend, are at the friend's house. And their parents went out to a movie, Right. And the parents were like, hey, guys, don't leave the house. So Yasmin and her friend were stuck at the house. But they were like, you know what? We're going to sneak out. You know, that's not a problem. That's what kids do. They sneak out, right? That's fine. So they were like, what we're going to do, we're going to sneak out. We're going to go and do whatever we want to do, party, and we'll be back before the parents know that we're gone. All good, right? So they snuck out. So far, so good. They did whatever they wanted. I don't know. It didn't say in the story. They went and did whatever partying they were doing or whatever was going on, and they came back to the house. Again, so far, so good. Then Yasmin's friend realized, you know what? I don't have my keys. (gasps) Oh. They had locked Uh themselves out of the house. Right? That's what you get, kids. Yasmin's friend told her, don't worry. You know what? I've got a solution. And Yasmin was like, what's the solution? She's like, I'll just go down the chimney. Hmm. Oh, oh no. Dumb she has derailed. Oh, no. And of course, Yasmin was like, Sounds good. Mm. She wasn't like, wow, no, do not do that. That is not a smart decision, right? No, she was like, all right, let's see this happen, right? So the friend shimmied down the chimney and, of course, uh, realized that it was blocked at the bottom. And Yasmin said, 
I didn't know it was blocked in the bottom. I never thought it was blocked on the bottom. So when she got to the bottom and noticed that it was blocked and she couldn't get back up, she just started freaking out. And uh, she yelled up to the top and was like, Call 911! I can't breathe! I'm stuck! Right? And the firefighter showed up, and about 45 minutes later, they eventually got her out of... Dang, uh, it took 45 minutes to get her out of there? It was Holy a little crap. rough. It was a little tight, you know? They had to set up their little winch thing to get down there, you know? They like had this little like tripod yeah. above it. And I mean, just... Oh, man, I bet she was freaking out. That's a fact. I'll be honest, Dave. Just in the time that I was reading this story, I thought of several options that would be way, way better than going down the chimney and wouldn't involve getting caught by your parents. How about this one? Call a 24-hour locksmith, get them to unlock the door. There you go. How about that one? Okay, maybe you don't have money. So you're like, I can't call a locksmith, don't have any money. That's understandable. Mm -hmm. How about this one? Mm -hmm. Set in the backyard on the patio, and when your parents come, act like you guys were just hanging out there and you got caught up like in a conversation, right? That's a good idea. And you're just like, oh, oh, man. They'll never notice that they had to unlock the door when they went out to the patio, and if they did, you'd be like, oh, crap, it was locked? Oh, my God, we would have been locked out. We didn't even know, right? Jeez, come on. (laughs) Lastly, if you're all out of other options, break a window in the least used room of the house. Just one pane right in the corner. Lift the rest of the the window up. If it's possible, make it in your room, and it's not on the front of the house, if that's possible. Then cover it up with something in your room. Odds are your parents aren't going to walk by that door if it's in, or the window in the back, and then you can have the window replaced the next week. I think all of these ideas beat going down an impenetrable chimney. I don't know. You put a lot of thought into this. Not too much, you actually. You must have snuck out. When you were younger. Not really. I was just a mischievous lying kid. That's pretty much it. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, I never snuck out because we had like the alarm system on the doors that if you like opened the door, it made a noise. Yeah, you got to put a, in the code. A, That's a, gonna... window, a windows. Yep. You got the window glass break. Noise. Yeah. Oof. Yep. That's going to really make it. I'd really have to sit there and think about that one. That one's going to be tough. Mm, I, don't, I don't know if I can beat an alarm system. The patio. That'd have been it. <laughs> but like like honestly, why like if they were thinking about it, why would a chimney be opened all the way through? Hmm. Like why didn't they think like, you know what? The only thing that needs to go through a chimney is smoke. Like wouldn't if 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 they thought this through, if Yasmin and her friend thought this through, why would there just be an open hole in your house? If that were the case, Everybody that had a chimney would just have like birds and squirrels running through their house at all times. They'd be like, another squirrel came in through that chimney. It's a bad idea to have a fireplace. Like, come on. Come on, guys. Logic. Logic. I don't know. I don't know, Dave. I don't know. They didn't think it through. And, And they learned their lesson. They said at the end of the article, the parents, very upset. Not surprisingly. Very upset. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, okay, Dave, before we go to a break, I think it's I think it's time. I think we need something that doesn't that doesn't suck. 
Yeah, after think, that, we definitely need something yeah. that doesn't suck. I think we need it. Um, and this one, this one's going to get your all factor going. It's going to get your all factor going. Oh, it's going to get okay. that going. All right. Okay. Ah. Things that don't suck. A list of consisting of Paul Rudd and whatever the doc wants to say now. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Dave, it's winter. Some places in the world get ridiculously cold during the winter, right? I feel bad for them. I got to be honest. Like, even now in Florida, we've, had, we've, we've got some pretty cold nights recently, right? There's, yeah, there's, the 50s. Well, it got down. It's, 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 this week, it's getting down in the, the 40s. 30s. 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 Oh, come on. Yeah. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. And, oh. like, I'm going to tell you. I would not want to be outside in 30s. Nope. No way. No. Nope. No, no way. Sir. Right? I'm not made for that. Nobody wants to be out in that. Well, you know one of the places that gets way colder than Florida? Canada. Everywhere else. Yep. Ontario, <laughs> Canada, uh, specifically for this story. Um, so a motorist was driving down the road in Ontario, Canada, when she saw a German shepherd... Uh, sort of lying down, curled up on the sidewalk, right? Mm, and she was aw. like, she's like, that's weird. Why is it just a dog just like laying down on a sidewalk, right? So mm -hmm. she wanted to make sure the dog was okay, right? So she mm -hmm. pulled over and walked up to the dog. When she got to the dog, she realized that the dog was only there because it was keeping a litter of five-week-old kittens from freezing to death. She was oh. laying on top of the kittens, kittens to keep them warm, right? And the, oh. the driver was like, oh my God, she's, she's taking care of these, these babies that aren't even her babies, right? And mm -hmm. so she called Pet and Wildlife Rescue. They came, they got the dogs, and they got the dog, they got the kittens, and... Um, now both uh, are up for adoption. So if you're in the uh, Ontario area, uh, you should look out. Maybe you can get them. Now a lot of people on uh, social media have said they want to keep them together, right? They want them yeah. to keep them together. But so far, the uh, Hard to do that. the shelter was like we I, we just want them to have homes. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll have to do a follow-up for you. I don't know if they've been able to yeah. actually keep them together. But, I mean... Or if they found... If they, the dog was microchipped or anything. But, I mean, to be honest, if uh, if I was the dog, I'd be like, Hey, I was just taking care of these guys. I didn't want them to die. doesn't necessarily mean I want to hang out with them for the rest of I my want, life. I want to share Come a house. On. I'm just, <laughs> just being a, a good Samaritan dog here. I'm not trying to... To party with these guys for the rest of my life. I, I don't know. I'm not speaking for the German Shepherd. Who knows? He could want to party or she could want to party with these kittens. I don't know. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, all factor up. Dogs and cats being nice to each other. There you go. Very nice. Aww. Yes. Very nice for both of them. Guys, we are going to take a break. We are going to get with Russell Marsden of the Band of Skulls. We're going to talk shop. It's going to be fantastic. We will be right back here on the Doc G Show. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig? 
Welcome back to the show today, everybody. Today we are joined by guitarist and singer of the highly acclaimed Band of Skulls, Mr. Russell Marsden. Russell, how are you today? I'm uh, very well. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm feeling highly acclaimed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a nice introduction. Thank you very much. Yes, you guys deserve it, man. You've uh, you've done a lot in the career, and. Um, you know, looking back on it, 15 years or so you guys have been together, and you just had your 10th anth- anniversary uh, for the first album. Yes! Um, I know this yeah, is this, this is like a loaded question, but when you started okay. the band uh, originally with Matt and Emma, did you see yeah. it going this way? Did you? I mean, did you have any like was was it anywhere close to what you are now? Well, I think everyone dreams of that right everyone that starts anything it could be a band or whatever you do at that age mm-hmm. when you're young and you are you've got all the optimism of course you dream of it going well and, and being of your life your careers but so we all dreamt of that stuff but but I, I don't know if we really believed it would be you know it would go so crazily well but yeah well, like you, you know it, it, it's it's like we sometimes sit down there and say to ourselves you know what the <laughs> you know and especially, you know, and these days it's kind of even, I think it's always been hard, but you realize that, you know, it's, it's even tougher for people to get a foothold in any anything. So we, yeah, we're really, um, we're proud of what we've done. We're proud of our fans that have supported us this whole time. That's the real, that's what happened. People discovered us. Yeah. And when they discovered us, they they wanted to listen and they, and they wanted to hear more music. And that's what really um, made the difference, you know? For sure. For sure, it always it always helps to have a uh, strong base behind you. For sure. Yes. Yeah, that's what, that was the difference. We, we were doing the same thing, but just because of our friends at home or you know, just smaller audiences, and then and then a few things happened, and all of a sudden we were sharing that music with a lot of people. And, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. definitely. Well, you guys, uh, you grew up in in Southampton, uh, and for yeah. listeners like myself that have never been. Uh, give us give us a feel. What what is, what is uh what what's the city like? So Southampton, yeah, it's a it's a great place to grow up, and um, I think uh, we had the benefit of it being our own place with no real big musical kind of styles attached to it. You know, if you're in Manchester or any other any other city in England, there's a lot of people that have come before you. Yeah, and you it does it does it does influence you, I think. But we really had not much really. Mm-hmm. And um, so we could do our own style. And then we're only like one hour, maybe a little more from London. Mm-hmm. So our first chances really were to kind of get get good here and rehearse and write our songs. And then when we, when we got the chance, it was a chance for us to, to go to London and do our first gigs up there, you know, get nice. into the city and play in front of people. So that was the other really big advantage of being from, from here. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I love to ask this about all my guests and I've really accumulated a lot of places over the world over the last couple of years but i like to ask if i'm coming to your city your hometown and i call you up and i ask where where should i eat where what would be the one place you would tell me you'd be like you got to try this place out what would be the place for Southampton? Hmm. It's really hard. I just might come to my house. That's what cooks for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what cooks for you. But um, I guess American coming to England. What's going to happen? Like fish and chips. You're you're still sticking with the best. Is is the home cooking, huh? I think so. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know I, 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 I think so. 
Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, I've, I've heard in an interview you talking about how you were you always geared towards music. You always, that was, you know, sort of your first, uh, you know, first sort of aspirations as far as careers. And um, I heard you talk about uh, Nirvana MTV Unplugged album. And uh, yeah. can you remember a song or a group specifically uh, that just that really convinced you as far as your career? I, I'm going this way, or is it just everything music that you said? I, I love it. I want to be a part of it. Hmm. Yeah, that was one of the one of the things. Um, there was some like I had some like older neighbors, and they were kind of trying to get me hips what was going on. Mm-hmm. I was a pretty young kid at the time, so. I wasn't into Nirvana in real time. Yeah. But I kind of, you know, you get a sense of it. Like the thing that happened to us when we were leaving high school was the whole Britpop thing, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And um, and we were already kind of the music crowd at the school. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of getting, not bullied, but like, um, you know, people were, we, we were different to everybody else. So we'd get kind of harassed for wearing, you know, having our hair long and stuff. Yeah. Then that Britpop thing happened. And I realized that now, well, everybody's into this thing now, you know? Yeah. It took over, like, it took over the school. <laughs> there, were, there, were, there were guys that six months before were kind of like, you know, um, you know, putting kick me, uh, you know, stickers on you and whatever. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, they were wearing the long shirts and they had the, the Gallagher-style haircuts. And I was thinking, <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, maybe, there is, uh, maybe there is something in here that is uh, for everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what we were into kind of became cool, and then of course we moved on to every other other bit of music we could find. Nice. I don't know anything else would be. Um, I think we formed bands at school, and we realised then that we could have our own little social moment. Like you know, we could have our own things to be proud of. Mm-hmm. So at the school, we all formed a different band, and uh, we were probably the last ones to kind of join on to that. So we had to. That was our first challenge: be the biggest band in school, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, and, and win whatever that was. But yeah, looking back, that was pretty cool, pretty magical moment. Really, we could all write some songs and do a team. And our friends were kind of along, you know, pretty cool. Really. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I've heard you talk about high school uh, before, and. Um, you know, like you said, you were you were already in that direction of music, and you you had to take an aptitude test. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the suggested <laughs> careers it gave you was was grave digger. What? And yeah, I know. How mental is that thing? I mean, what is that? It was this. You imagine it was like this kind of nineteen fifties, sixties. Like it was a machine. It was a computer that came down in a truck, and they <laughs> wheeled it in. I mean. There was a multiple choice thing, and yeah, very strange. I think they were just trying to like looking back. I it feels like it was a the government trying to just like lower everyone's expectations as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I <laughs> sort of wondered when you said that, as far as giving you that option, I was like, what? What? What student yeah. do they think is actually going to get that and be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, that does sound good. I would like to do that. Yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, I think I think the music was, you know, high school and that kind of that time in our lives was was pretty dreary and, and depressing and grey and not very inspiring. And I think the music was the first thing that really took hold and was this exciting alternative. And um, so yeah, we took it and um, and even at the time I was I joined like a working blues band mm-hmm. in the town and I was still a kid and um and they they kind of allowed me to join. 
So I would like play, I'd be playing a, like a two sets a night thing, um, mm. you know, uh, in a, like covers, you know, set covers. And then, uh, and then I'd go to school the next day and like, you know, probably, well, definitely thinking of cigarette smoke at the, at the time and <laughs> probably thinking of beer as well. And, um, yeah. So I think I'd already sort of made my bed really, if you think about Looking back, I'd already, you know, um, I'd already made uh, my decision. Well, I was thinking if you if you wanted to, you know, sort of cross the paths of the two and make you know make Grave Digger into a fruition, you could do the Grave Diggers as far as a band, well, uh, you know. I have, I have a friend. I have a friend in Brooklyn who's in his family business is in that kind of in that kind of thing. Oh, um, you know, they, they do very well, and <laughs> um, and, and he's helping. But I guess the business, you know, there's always new customers, you know, so there is that. <laughs> so um, maybe maybe he's onto something. You, you like, everyone needs a that's true a cut and a and a grave. That's true. <laughs> you never worry about running out of business. That's uh mm. absolutely. Mm. So you're not going to get into that well, back to uh, <laughs> music. You moved on to college, and uh, you you were at the Wimbledon School of Art, and that's where you met uh, Emma. And I've I've heard you guys talking. Uh, uh, I've heard you talk about meeting her, and um, yeah. you were saying about how you guys both, you know, you you can recognize when somebody has similar influences and whatnot. Uh, what, what were some of the influences that you and Emma shared that you immediately were like, you know what, we should we should start playing music? Yeah, um, she might have a different idea than my side of things. Um, uh, yeah, it was actually at Winchester we were together, so she did go to one for the night with. Oh, okay. We're very close together anyway. Um, but um, yeah, I think we, I think it was less at this point of influences. I think uh, we realized that we had different skills being like you know male and female both singing mm -hmm. both writing songs and i think we saw in each other like a great um like sparring partner you know someone to really to, to write with and, to, and to, to to help with our own ideas you know i think we saw that songwriting partnership there mm -hmm. I, we didn't know it cause we hadn't done anything but i think we must have sensed it because it still works to this day you know yeah we still are pushing um it's one of the funny things Again, Emma's not here, so I can tell this story. <laughs> One of the funny things that, that she did, amazing, she sent a, a, a demo tape sort of thing, you know, we bring in home recordings of the, probably back then, like the five songs we'd written that week, something like that, you know, and then yeah. we listen to them, and then if one cut the muscle, we would say, oh, let's do that one in the band, we least try And um, she gave me this tape, and I took it home and listened to it, and there was just one song on them, and I, and I was amazed by this song. Yeah. I was like, this song is just, We've got to record it. We've got it's a it's a hit, you know. Yeah. The song is incredible, incredible song. And she was like, "Which one?" And I said, "Oh, it's the you know the last one on the tape. What's it called here? Uh, it's called Yellow, and it was uh it was the Coldplay." <laughs> <laughs> so Emma was Emma was such a, a music um you know expert that she had she had it like way before it was released as a single with Coldplay. She had it wow. early the earliest doors, you know. She went to see them at some little show and bought the CD off the band, I believe. <laughs> so she, you know, as a fun exercise, is what you do when, you, when you're a young musician. You yeah. See, you learn other people's songs and you get into that. But she just didn't put it in the linear notes, but it wasn't her. <laughs> and I was like, we've, we've got it. We've got that. That's the best one. Yes, it is very yeah, good. So it's um, not mine. <laughs> yeah, we have to declare our own. We have to declare a cover version these days. <laughs> and not not be so obtuse. Yeah. 
Um, well, you, you spoke, you, you were talking about that actually, like recording, uh, you know, re- recording the songs that you were working on. And I heard you say that you, you actually had like the, you have a tape somewhere of like the very first time you yeah, got, I do. you guys played. Do you, have you, have you gone back and, and listened to that any recently and just, you know, just sort of reminisce and say, yeah, no. Well, not recently, but at a certain point, there was a uh, young friend of mine who was just starting out in a kind of studio, more studio type stuff. And um, I had this, I had this huge box of these tapes, and I was thinking, well, one day, maybe one day, we want, we want to listen to this, and I think they're going to go off. You know, they've been in my, my parents' attic or whatever, like in my parents, you know, in the spare room, my parents' house. You know, I've left home and they're still there. And um, and I got I got him to sit down at one summer and um, like digitize them all, put them all on like a CD or whatever hard drive. Very cool. And um, yeah, so they're all, they're all they're all there. So I just felt, I just felt like they were getting to be like over ten years old. And I was like, they're gonna die. They're <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, but yeah, they've gone written on the front. It says like June, the day, the year, the month, and the year. Mm. And yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, I think it was like um, October nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> do you ever do you ever think about like maybe throwing it uh you know like in some big box set or something that you guys could do in the future just so people could well, we come did, together we just done our first everything like that which was a re-release of my baby band of skulls album uh, baby darling dollface honey so that we just re-released that re-released that on vinyl right and we added in a lot of the era of, of uh that, that stuff which is a little bit later on Mm-hmm. So the band before we had Band of Stars was called Fleeing New York, mm-hmm. and um, and that that started way back then, and and went all the way up to the you know up to Baby Darling Dollface Honey. So maybe one day we can delve back into you know the, how the band formed and yeah. really the story of us learning as musicians because it's kind of interesting. I'm sure there's some things that will make us cringe back then. <laughs> but, um, we could definitely like skim off the cool stuff on the top. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some uh, fans out there that would like to see the the progression because I mean, there's well, there's, there's well, hopefully there's progression here. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's still bits of music and there's still bits of music from then that that did surface later on. So it's relevant. There are certain songs. Yeah, that you can definitely hear the you know the the, the little uh, the roots of the germs of it um, coming through. And, um, yeah, it's interesting and just. What were we doing? You know, we thought it was so important to record every single thing we did, but I'm glad we did now because we can at least look back and laugh at ourselves. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can, it's, it's like you said, you can see things and you go through ebb and flows for sure of like, you, you hate something, you don't like it, and then you come right. back to it and you're like, oh, that was actually good. We should use that somewhere. Absolutely. And what, like all of us, I think it's in a moment and you can't get back to that moment. So, so for me, if I've written a song, when I was 16 or when I was 26 I can't I can't write that song again it's like it's only the, what was happening around me that made that happen and yeah so I'm interested in that sometimes like well what, what the hell entered my mind you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and um, and at that time all I wanted to be is older so I could play the blues and be more legit you know and people would be like oh yeah you know he's, yeah. Uh, he's singing from experience yeah, and uh, and and I think a little bit now. I think I like I I, I like to sing from ignorance again. You know, it's kind of easy when you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, you just do it. Yeah, for so, sure. You know, maybe we'll go back there one day. Nice. You know, think about the poor guy that had to go through all that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, um, 
your your most recent album you guys came out with uh love is all you love and uh um, yeah. it was it was a new approach to the way uh, you guys made r- records in in general really in a lot of ways obviously it's the first album without matt and so it was you and yeah. emma together sort of just co-writing these things and now you've had about you know a good seven months to marinate with it at being out in the public um how do you how do you feel about it now that you've had some time to look over it and play it and go on tour with it and how have the uh, audiences responded to it yeah well it was always going to be a different thing i think there was no way of, 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 of what we put out being the same as before so i think and i don't think it's going to be like that ever again you know it's another unique moment you know it's sort of yeah. about, like when you write songs in your teenager and i feel like you know, this is a song, a record, rather, an album that is is the moment of a, of a transition between the band we were in and the band that we probably are already becoming right now. Yeah, and that was stuck in the middle. And um, so, yeah, kind of fascinating. Um, we, I think, we took the chance to just be experimental and do some things that we haven't been able to do for you know, and um, and just be free and do some things. We love doing. The record. There's some songs on there that have really resonated with our sound, mm-hmm. and we've been playing them live. There are some songs on there that I feel like maybe in a couple of years we look back and realise what they're about, and feel you know feel them more then than we do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I think really just as a as a a, be- a new beginning, it's been really interesting for us to work with, um, different people. And we even came over to um, Nashville, Tennessee, and this live drums of Julian over there. Yeah. But um, the whole thing was put together in very small, it was kind of a very collaborative little pieces of an album that we've all put together at the end. Yeah. Um, so I feel maybe the next thing we do might be different again and might be something a bit more um, instantaneous and traditional in the sense of uh, like being in a room together. And, you know, I think we've. we've it's it's already in the past we and uh, the songs definitely tell a story. But what we do next might be almost a reaction against ourselves again. You know, we just want we just want to be different every time and not make the same record every every time. You know? For sure. Well, one of the things on this new album that was different you you collaborated a lot with Richard X. Uh, he produced yeah. and co-wrote some songs. Um, how, how did he become a part of the project? Um, well, Richard was mentioned um, in in view to work on a record before uh, by default. What's going to be by default? Yeah, and um, and it didn't work out, you know, like the timings or whatever. And and so we were like, well, it didn't work out that time, and he's still interested. Why don't we just meet up and have you know, go for a cup of coffee and talk to him? And and at the time, you know, we were in this transitional moment, and we just said, well, let's get together. And uh, we need to write some new songs, so why don't we, you know, he gave us a, a safe space to do it in, I guess. Yeah. And we went in and uh, we sort of wrote some songs, and it was cool. And, um, and we kind of got our songwriting, um, like, you know, we got the motor back running again. Nice. And, um, and it was an interesting situation. He doesn't know much about guitars. We don't know much about the lots of things that he uses, and we just kind of got stuck in and, and, um, and, and out came a record, and some of the songs, the song on the record called Carnivorous, which is a real, um, I think really, the best combination of what we were all trying to do, was with all of these, you know, we are treating guitars a little differently, and we were, 
and making a song that didn't really follow the, the rock and roll mold, yeah. but still was really aggressive and rock. Yeah, that's been, I feel like that's like the fan favourite of the record, and we can close the shows with anyone that saw us on the US tour, the scene of Em and I, like, breaking over the barrier and coming into the audience, and yeah, I think that was the real kind of, uh, that let our hair down almost, you know, and, uh, and I'm glad that we got to make that record, and and um, and and just kind of get all that frustration. Nice, nice. Well, I um, I, I heard you talking about working with uh, Richard, and you know how he would sort of he was really big on sort of this this improvising of writing songs of just sort of throwing you the mic and saying, "All right, yeah. m- make it," you know, make make a song, go for it. And, uh, yeah, literally that. Um, literally that, throwing the mic across the room. I've never experienced before, and you know, basically it's embarrassing. Like, I'm not going to make a fool of myself and sing, you know, yeah. whatever. But but it's amazing if you put someone in under the in the spotlight and the pressure that you. It's it's a cool way of breaking down that you know breaking down that barrier and just breaking the ice of people's like um, yeah. It just it worked actually. And the thing is, we then we went home and then saw the technique and we did it by ourselves. Yeah, like we got into the studio, and, and I was like, "Emma, go." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, se- it it seems like uh, it seems like a bit different because you worked with Gil Norton on by default, and he yes. he seems much more methodical, much more worked out when when he, at least in the in the records that I've heard of his and and other records, it seems like he would be much less for that sort of improv 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 style. Yeah, absolutely. Gil is a perfectionist <laughs> and a stickler for detail. Yeah. Like, to, beyond anything I've ever experienced. I mean, even in outside, I'm definitely in music, but even outside of that, like, incredibly really that He's all the precision, curves, you know, the scene made, like, everything is just, it's not just feels perfect, you know, we, we can analyze it and it is, oh, it's perfect. Everything is, it's nothing out of place. Incredible. And, a, and an amazing learning experience. And again, like we did that, we made that kind of record. And then the next one, we could be wanted to do it differently. And I think, I think that will continue with what we do in the future. It's just every experience is amazing, but you know, it's not it's not fun to try and do something again. It just isn't. It's like yeah, retracing your steps is just not inspiring to us. So we've done it. We've made a record that way. I like to make a record everywhere I can. Really. With every situation that comes along, um, yeah. But I, I, I really value all of the experiences you've had and uh, and the people we got to work with because, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a privilege really to um to be able to spend you know an intense amount of time with, with uh, people such as Gil and, and Richard and and, um, and come out the other side with this thing you know that everyone's invested in and, and put their work into. So for sure, I wouldn't change it. Well, but also, I would definitely do something different in the future. Well, well, well one of the new things you did on on by default that was the first uh, major record label release that you had done. Correct? That was that was on B and G. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. So you went back. You went back to an independent label for the the new album. What overall? What was your experience releasing on BMG versus what you had done before? Um, it's in, it's hard to it's hard to say really. I think it's probably I think we 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 through the same, and I think that you know the one thing that we want to do is make our work and then find someone to help us release it. Right, and 
and and and that changes every time. And of course, every time you make a record, it's often like two or three years later. And situation changes, and you, you just basically find a, someone, a partner to work with, and to put your record out. Yeah. We like to kind of make the music first, and then see who would be interested in helping us. Shop around, rather than um, yeah, yeah, rather than uh, so far, you know, we don't really have you know the traditional person in the studio telling us what to do. Yeah, we have a not have quite a clear idea of what what we're making. Mm-hmm. As long as we've got that artistic freedom, then yeah, we like to work with all kinds of people. But um, that's the one thing that you know, back in the day, you hear, hear horror stories about bands, you know, writing a song and then people coming in and changing it all around. And, yeah. Yeah, you know it can be, it can be, it can work really wonderful. It's not really our style, so uh, yeah, we, I mean we take um, definitely take opportunities and listen to people's um, ideas and you know and working with different people and um, being introduced to different people in studios and stuff. But in that creative moment, we like to we, we do like to um, be doing that ourselves or working with a producer or a, a, a musician. You know, yeah. A musician. Now, now your music. Uh, one of the things about uh, a lot of your music, it's been on all types of media. Yes. Um, and and yeah. I I heard Emma say it's actually you know one of the the biggest sources of of income for you guys. Uh, have have there ever been opportunities where they ask to you know license your music and the product or the the show or whatever it was was so weird that you were like, eh, nah, we're gonna pass on that one. Well, yeah, of course, you know, there are things that you don't want to be associated with, yeah. or things that are, you know, something divisive, or, you know, or you don't want to be helping a certain, you know, there's lots of things I think right. that would be inappropriate. Right. But, like, um, but we we have a pretty open, in the last 10 years, we've got a pretty open mind about how to get our music over to people. Yeah. And if that like, happens to be, uh, you know, non-traditional, like not on the radio or not on, um, you know, television or whatever. Like, so, if, you know, it, it could be anything. And I think that the world changes and it's changing even now. Like, here I am talking to you and this probably wouldn't have happened uh, a little while ago. Yeah. This kind of hook up. So, um, you know, a, big, a really big open mind and especially with the songs that either we're not working on now, like they're old songs already, yeah. or they're like album songs that didn't have like a single release. Like for us, for people to find out about our band through a movie, sort of some album track that we, you know, we couldn't put out as a single because it's too long, it just is a bonus to us, you know. Yeah. We, people tell us how they discover their bands all the time, and it's always a different thing. And um, yeah, that really is the proof in the pudding. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's good. There's obviously it's going to be a limit to things. And then as long as it's kind of got good, you know, intentions, good morals, and it's not nothing that's going to, you know, that we're going to regret putting our <laughs> name towards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, then we do get we do get a final say. And um, and we, yeah, we encourage it normally if it, if it makes our music get to more people. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, last big question. Um, okay. have you guys been working on, on new music? Where, where are you at perhaps on a, on a new, new set, uh, album? Well, of course, well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll start by saying the record came out in April. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, but it's amazing how everyone's hungry. I think especially nowadays, it's, you know, I, I want to hear a new record. I want to play a new record. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think next year, especially, we'll, everyone will be ready for something new from us. We're working on some songs right now. Um, we're working on something really exciting things. I feel like um, 
there'll be more music coming from Emma and I. Yeah. But it, it but perhaps um, in some different sources. That's yeah, okay. What I'm gonna say. Okay. But there will be Band of Skulls, and perhaps Band of Skulls will be something a bit less um, eclectic, okay. a bit more direct, mm. and perhaps some of the more experimental things that people do might be might be um, surfacing elsewhere and doing you know might be coming out on uh, on some different angles. Nice. So in the end, people are going to get more music from us. Nice. And um, and and maybe a little bit more categorized and less like. Um, as we tend to do in the past, like everything in one, you know, very yeah. eclectic and crazy mix. Yeah. I think that's what we're going to do. And we want to put out more music more regularly, you know, and, and not have to wait, um, like I said, two or three years to an album. That for us is too long. Yeah. So I feel like um, we'd love it if we could, um, you know, be working on a Bonus Girls record, but also um, surprise people with it, some releases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny, you know. I I had to sort of switch that question for a lot of bands that that I've interviewed because I I was sort of under the same you know timeline as you were as far as okay, couple of years here comes a new album. You're working on the album, and because of the way that it's changed, you get so many people, and and like you said, yeah, you. You get artists that want to continue to make contact with with their fans, and so they're they're right. re- releasing those those singles and EPs, and there's there's always there's there's that opportunity to to give music, uh, you know, al- al- almost on a continuous basis. And uh, yeah, it's just because you know the industry works in a bit of a more old fashioned and you could say slower model. Yeah, so like you you know you you put a record out, you promote it, you go on tour. But actually, music is probably these days is being created a bit faster. Yeah. And sometimes, if you, yeah, I mean, there's, if you don't put the music out that you're feeling at the time, there's often a delay before your fans get to hear it, and, and you've kind of moved on to the next thing. <laughs> and it's kind of strange because you're like, you know, everyone's living in a sort of a year-long delay of what you've been doing. It's, you know, it's a funny experience sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah, not for every project. I think, you know, we've got some songs that we really want to finish and release and uh, and they're definitely yeah, exciting for us and, and yeah, different again I think and um, we're really looking forward to um working with some people that we're working with now and some new people and um and bringing some more music to uh to everybody really soon, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Well for in the meantime the listeners can enjoy uh Love is all you love. It's uh, it, it's it's definitely good enough for now, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, we can never rest. We're, we're obsessive compulsive with, with making new records, but I'm uh, definitely be on it. And um, <laughs> appreciate you uh, speaking to me, and uh, I'm glad we could hook this up over the over the ocean. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I'll hope to, hope to speak to you soon. Fantastic, man. Well, listeners, uh, like he said, you can check out Love Is All You Love. You can check out all things Band of Skulls at www.bandofskulls.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Band of Skulls and on Instagram at Band of Skulls Official. Right now, let's take a listen to We're Alive off of Love Is All You Love by Band of Skulls right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Band of Skulls. Fantastic. And you heard me talking there with Russell. Big thanks to Russell for being on the show. Yeah, man. I'm pretty... Uh, I, I, we need... Me and you need to go to England. We, we're, we're building up a couple of places that we need to try. And need uh, to, that's, to, on the, uh, that's on the list, man. We've got three. We've got three places we need to go now. Three cities we need to visit: uh, Norwich, which uh, Ida May from Norwich. Then we have uh, Bristol, which uh, Boca Forty Five was from Bristol. And now we have Northampton, Band of Skulls. So there we go. We got to go check out. To go. Yeah, all of those places. And listeners, definitely check out Love Is All You Love. It's a good album. Fantastic. You heard a bunch of jams from it. Uh, it's it's climbing up the charts as far as uh, it's it's the job it's doing on Spotify. Real nice. Real nice, man. Thanks again for uh, Russ being on the show. It was a good time. Yeah, and taking his time for us. Definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, speaking of time, it's time. Third birthday suit. Sweet. Now, this one, Dave, I'm going to be very surprised if you get this one. Very surprised. Born on December 4th, 1949 in Los Angeles, California. He was the son of an actor and actress. 
He wanted to follow in his parents' uh, footsteps and act. And as a child, he starred in several uh, movies, several movie roles. At the age of 17, he toured with his father around the country in the Anniversary Waltz, a production around the country. Hmm. And then he moved to New York City. It wasn't until the mid-70s he started getting bigger and bigger roles in acting. He starred in the movie Tron, Texasville, American Heart, Wild Bill, here's the big one, The Big Lebowski, Seabiscuit, True Grit, Hell or High Water, and many, many more. He is probably best known for his role in Big Lebowski where he played the dude. That's right. Name that birthday suit wearer. I've never seen that movie. Ah. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Um, some old guy is like 70. Uh, <laughs> he is damn. 70. That is correct. I don't think you're going to get this one. It's okay. I'll throw it out there. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Do you know no. Jeff? No, no, nope. Jeff Bridges. Uh, nope. for, for me, now, other people can have uh, other ideas of what the best role is, but for me, it's definitely the dude. If you if you go I'll have back, to watch that movie. Big Lebowski is pretty funny, man. It's pretty weird Big and Lebowski. it's pretty funny. Uh, there's there's definitely a cult following of of the Big Lebowski. A lot of a lot of folks that really just they uh, lifetime lovers of the Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges, man. Jeff Bridges. Okay. Turning the big seven zero. Big turning point. Happy there, birthday, no? Jeff. Yes, happy birthday. Dave's going to get to know you, Jeff. Dave will get I'll to know you. probably watch it That's tonight. Right. And here, here you go. And here you go, Jeff. If you come on the show, he'll definitely know you. So, Oh, yeah. Just think about coming on the show, Jeff. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Dave, this is the point in the show where I tell you about all the awesome shows we have coming up. And let me tell you. I'm listening. We've got some doozies out there, my friend. We've got some doozies. Very I expect nothing less. Next week, I'm extremely exciting. As excited, it's gonna it's gonna stand as its own show, and it's also going to go into our live show next Wednesday. We've got Drake Freeman coming with guitarist Trey Binkley. They're going to play together. They are the group that is known as Hall. <laughs> And they are also individual artists. They're going to play in the studio. Four different songs. Great interview. It's just going to be good all the way around, man. I'm very excited about that. On top of that, we've got Bishop Gunn coming, which I'm extremely, extremely excited about that. Fantastic artist out of... uh, out of um, uh, uh, Mississippi. Took me a little while to get nice. to Mississippi. Yeah, That's okay. Of, you got it. Out of Na- I think you, call, uh, you pronounce it Natchez. Hmm. Natchez, Mississippi. I'm not sure. I might Nachos. be completely. Natchez, maybe. Yeah. Natchez. It's, it's named after Native Americans. I can't remember the way that you say it. Anyways, they're going to be on the show. Fantastic. We're also going to have Paul, uh, John Paul White, who again, just like. Kev Moe, four-time Grammy winner. Say what? Four-time Grammy winner. Yeah, can't wait for John Paul White to be on the show. It's going to be a fantastic show, Dave. I'm very excited, but we got to wrap it up for this week. Damn I man. have I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles, Berlin. 
Listeners, thanks for taking the time to listen to us again. Yes. And we'll see you in a week, man. Fantastic. Fantastic. And until that next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.